welcome back to the Surish podcast. In the last episode, we heard how Guru Gobind Singh went to his in-laws after the wedding. And the last episode ended with Guru Gobind Singh going back to his encampment after this. Chapter 15 now begins describing how the powerful Guru would daily have his clothes washed. It was in the middle of summer, and these clothes were so subtle, so thin, so every day he would adorn a new, fresh set. The Guru was wearing expensive, beautiful yellow silk clothing, which was just glistening while he was mounted up and riding on his horse. He rode into the marketplace where men and women were all around bowing down to him, jumping his agile and beautiful, powerful horse around. It just looked so glorious. It was evening time and the horse was prancing around that path. It looked like a peacock dancing on the clouds. Arriving in front of the Guru was a Tobi, a washerman, who clasped his hands together and said, Guru Gobind Singh, daily I wash your clothes. And you have this desire then to wear a fresh set. But here, with a wedding party, there's no place to get any clean water. I've looked around properly in all four directions, and now I have this great worry. What do I do? All the clothes that you've given me, that you've taken off at the end of the day, they're all piling up. So now, please make a command or find some way so I can be able to wash these clothes. Listening to the request of the plume-wearing guru, the guru then rode up to higher elevation on the mountain. And with him was his uncle, Mama, Kripalchand, along with a bunch of other people as well. The washerman was trailing at the back. On one side, Guru Gobind Singh had his cousin there named Sangosha, who had this spear with this bulging spearhead that looked like the head of a snake. The plume-wearing guru took that spear and spinning it, he directed the edge to the ground and people all around were watching this when he, with great strength, thrusted the spear into the ground. It went so deep and got lodged firmly into the ground. It was stuck there, just straight in the ground. And then Guru Gobind Singh with his mouth said to everybody, Come on people, show your strength. Somebody, pull it out. Water will spring forth from below the spear. Sangosha then dismounted and mustering up the great strength, he tried to pull it out. And not being able to pull it out, he was in shock, thinking he had more strength and effort than the Guru. He was thinking, you know, I'm in the height of my youth, my strength, and the Guru is just still young. He's not even as strong as he'll get. At that point, the Guru, while he was still mounted up on a horse, easily pulled out that spear from the ground. The spearhead didn't break, it was still attached to the staff. And at that time, when the spear was pulled out, water sprung forth of great amounts, and it began to flow. The other brother of Sangosha, Marichan, he thought to himself that, well, I could have taken the spear out with the strength of both my arms. And at that point, Guru Gobind Singh understood that what his cousin was thinking and struck the spear back into the ground, lodging it again after breaking the rock it went into. Then he said to Mahdi Chand, he said, okay, pull it out. He heard this, Mahdi Chand did, and he quickly went with all his strength. Securing both his feet on the ground, getting a very strong stance, he then used both of his arms to pull it out, but he just couldn't. He was looking at it, and then he stepped back with shame, his head was lowered. He was just amazed at the strength of the Guru. And seeing this, Mama Kripalchan then explained to the rest of them about the greatness of the Guru. And at that point, Guru Gobind Singh again mounted up, 
on his horse, was able to pull it out with his arms. And again, this unleashed a great gush of water. Such pure, clean water came up, and people were amazed by this wondrous sight. Like water from a large river, it was flowing with such force. Showing the strength of his arms, he buried the spear into the ground now where the water was flowing. The uncle, Kripalchan, then said, O oh, Prabhu, Guru Goma Singh, now there are two flows of water. So now, please, make a third. Make a Trabeni here, so congregations will come here and visit it. So Trabeni is the name of a place where three rivers flow into each other. So in India, Ganga, the Ganges, Jamuna River, Saraswati River, they come together at Priyag or Allahabad, and that's called Trabeni. So this is a play on that word. So Kripalchan continues, he says, For countless years there will be a symbol here, an evidence of your strength. The wedding just happened, everybody's here. The praise of this location will be heard by all of them. And at this point, the plume-wearing guru raised his hand and struck down a third time. And then, with great strength, he pulled it out. And a third gush of water surged forth. The congregation there watching it was just in awe, becoming a sacrifice for the guru. The Guru's praise spread wide like a garden of thorn apple bush. Guru Gobind Singh then commanded from his mouth, he said, O oh, washermen, now you can wash all of our clothes here at this spot. The washermen then said, Blessed, blessed is the Guru. And he began placing down all the clothes here and was washing them with great love, cleaning them, removing the dirt. Guru Gobind Singh then sprinted off on his horse, going quite far before coming back. And the news spread of the Guru's action, that the Guru sprouted up a new spring, striking three times, creating this flow of water. Everybody hearing it was in shock. Countless people went there to see it, seeing the feats of the treasure trove of wisdom. Some would bathe there, others would drink the water, and others would just look at it, thinking, powerful. The true Guru is a nourisher of the meat, who destroyed Radhavan in battle, who protected Prahalat, taking himself the form of Narasinga and destroying the demons. In the Katha and discourse of the scriptures, there is such evidence of their power, the master of the three worlds. Some would come while others were going, while they were singing the type of praise of the Guru. Guru Gobind Singh stayed there for some days, hoping to delight the congregation there. The people were seeing the wild feats, the adventures of the Guru, and in such bliss, they were singing the praises. In the marketplace, in the bazaar, there was such congestion. People were buying and selling items there. There were countless different types of restaurants there, so food was being made. With great delight, they were all eating, enjoying the food. The many masans were there directing the congregations to the Guru. These congregations would bow down, their hands were clasped. They were just staring at the Guru, destroying their faults by laying down offerings for the Guru. Thinking that this time, this opportunity won't come again, will obtain such profit, both in this world and the next. The poet now says, How long can I go on explaining the wedding? Such enjoyment was spilling over in Guru Kalahor. Those people who were coming together here were making their body fruitful. Where Guru Gobind Singh pulled out the spear and created that spring, to this day there is a marker there. And even today a stream flows. So side note, if you go to Guru Kalahor, a little to the southeast is a Gurdwara called Triberni Sahib. You can go view that spring even to this day. At that point, Guru Gobind Singh commanded from their mouth, Now, please, bid us farewell. 
This command was then taken to the Masans, and they began preparing for the departure. And the Guru's in-law family, they prepped all the dowry when they understood the Guru would be leaving. They all got together and said, May this bliss forever reside in our hearts. They placed such beautiful jewelry around the horse's neck, decorating the horse so extravagantly. They adorned the reins with silk fabric of stunning color, which goes into the mouse of the horse. Uh, it's called the mouse piece or the bit. So in this way, they were preparing all the items and they were piling them up in one area. They placed a seat there for the Guru and sent the Brahmins, the admin, to go call the Guru. The important Masans, the leaders of the congregations, when they heard the preparation that the Guru was about to leave, they quickly ordered all the musical instruments to be played and it was so loud you couldn't even hear anybody's voice. Guru Goma Singh, the great king, himself got up and took all his associates. They went to the house of the in-laws who had all gotten up and lowered their head for the Guru coming outside to receive him. And within the house now they had set up a seat for the Guru. Men and women were standing around on all sides inside that room watching, looking at the Guru who had such a wondrous dastar with a jiga, a tiara-like ornament around it and a tall plume. Hooped earrings were dangling so beautiful on his cheek. Everybody was a sacrifice to the Guru standing there in such awe. With lotus-like eyes, people were staring at them. Without any shyness, their mind was defeated. It wasn't thinking about anything else. They brought out a plate, they filled it to the brim with jewelry, along with many other pots and pans. The bards there counted all the offerings, the money, along with the very expensive clothing. They then brought in the bride, Jito, to sit down, whose clothing was made of many different fabrics and colors looking so stunning. She filled her hands with water and offered it, performing a practice that the Brahmin was telling her to perform. And what great fortune Jito and her father had. How can we think of anything else as, as equivalent? They performed all the familial rituals, kolkirit, in the proper manner. And at that point, Guru Gobind Singh got up. He was bid farewell at his in-law's house. And many people watching there, they left as well. The instruments were sounding off as they traveled down the path back to their encampment, where the gracious Guru was preparing to leave. Adorning his body with weapons, he placed on his favorite vicious sharp sword along with a quiver full of arrows. Weapons were on all, all limbs of the Guru as he mounted up his horse. Holding a bow in his hand, he looked so glorious. And all around him, he was decked out in jewelry which gleamed and sparkled so brightly. All of Jito's friends were surrounding her now at this point as they were placing her in the doli, the carriage. Many Masans were there as well around her, throwing money into the air like storm clouds, making it rain down money immensely. The money was raining down on the carriage, and the doli the carriage was placed in front of everybody else. They then set their sights to Anandapur, and they set down the path. There was so much excitement, so much noise, so many horses and carts were making the dust go into the sky, and Guru Gobind Singh, watching it all, stopped his horse. And then seeing the group set off down the path with the wedding party, with such bliss in his mind. Just like they were raining money as they set off, they continued to do that the whole way. And the unfortunate, the poor who were around, had all of their poverty removed, picking up all the money. In an unpurasaya, bliss sweeped over the city greatly as the women were awaiting the wedding party. It was as if the houses in an were like clouds, and the beautiful, stunning women were like lightning, running here and there. 
At that point, Mata Gujari, the Guru's mother, was just beyond herself in excitement, waiting for her son and her new daughter-in-law. There was a massive gathering of the women there in such excitement, singing songs. They were climbing up on top of the rooftops to see the wedding party coming, staring down that path. Some were saying, we can see the whisks being waved over the Guru. We see the wedding party. A great uproar now arose there. They could hear the instruments and the music. They were seeing the many different flags of many different colors. The silk fabric of these flags, nishans, were flapping in the air. They could see above the group the great amount of dust that was arising in the sky as a result of the horses and carts kicking up all that dust. They could see the warriors dancing and galloping around on their horses. Everybody's attire looked so stunning. They were all laughing and enjoying themselves as they were coming down the path. The women were standing up on the rooftops watching it all. And the plume-wearing Guru, Guru Gobind Singh, entered the city and there was such congestion in the marketplace and in the alleys of Anandpur as well. The women in such happiness were throwing flowers above the Guru. It was like a heavy downpour of the rain except with flowers. This is how wondrous that sight was at the time. In this way, the entire wedding party came into the city and all the carts and carriages and horses and bulls and all the other supplies arrived there as well. With the grace of the Guru, the whole city of Anandpur was filled with Anand, bliss. So at the front of the procession was the dolly, the carriage where the bride was. They were playing instruments. And behind was the moonlight radiant Guru, Guru Gobind Singh, speeding along behind the wedding party at such a fast pace on his horse. This is how chapter 15 concludes. In the next episode, we're going to hear more about the wedding party entering in Anandpur and some of the celebrations that take place. So that's what we're going to pick up next time. But as always, I'd like to thank those who have been supporting the podcast through the Mangalacharan Patreon page. Oh, my God.